1: Alright, alright, party people in the place to be. Welcome back to Nerds from the Underground. We're back with the spanking new hot banger of an episode. Joining me tonight is, of course...
0: Uh, hey everybody, it's Nalo, and I'm uh, really... <laughs> Really excited to get deep into these books where it's really going to be a ride.
1: Yeah, why don't you go ahead and lay out on the table what we got in store for all the nerds tonight. Uh,
0: Yeah, I'll kick it off. Uh, You can get into the details of the creators, but we are reading Shipwreck by uh, Warren Ellis, as well as The Black Monday Murders by Jonathan Hickman.
1: Right. So we're getting really dark and really esoteric with some sci-fi and some horror. Starting us off, like Nala said, we have Shipwreck, published by Aftershock, written, of course, by God himself, Warren Ellis, with art by another god himself, Mr. Phil Hester, with colors by Eric Gapstue, colors by Mark Inglert, lettered by Marshall Dillon and covers an original art by phil hester dr jonathan shipwreck sole survivor of a very unusual and very secret shipwreck doesn't know where he is seemingly trapped on an endless road in pursuit of a saboteur who holds the key to his salvation or his doom dr shipwright must contend with a strange land and its even stranger inhabitants from industry legend warren ellis and artistic powerhouse phil hester comes the haunting series shipwreck
0: Uh, So this book is really a a wild dream ride, and I say that quite literally. This is kind of like a dreamland, and we're following uh, Dr. Jonathan Shipwreck as he pursues this very mysterious saboteur, and we find that he is part of this kind of navy mission on Earth to leap forward and find a way, but he has developed a a porter technology. He's kind of like a scientist, and this technology is kind of like a nightcrawler BAMP where you can kind of you know, jump ahead in space by some measure of meters. But somehow he uses the government dark budget to scale that up to tearing into alternate realities. And he's on a mission to kind of save his world by finding somewhere else to move everybody since everything is kind of going to shit. And it immediately just starts to realize that, one, people actually live on this alternate Earth, and two, it is a desolate wasteland. It is dystopia, and it is surreal.
1: I really like that you brought up the whole dream like feeling to it but at the same time it's very nightmarish more than just like a regular dream it's a fever dream and honestly this book kind of makes me think that this is what being schizophrenic might feel like because you don't know if dr shipwright is sane you don't know if he's dead and in hell you don't really know anything about what's really going on in this book and it's very well presented and the crazy thing is is the world itself is just as schizophrenic and unpredictable and really unknowable as he is like nalo said it's very desolate he wanders around and he finds these places that look like cities but i mean they've just been ripped to hell but this is supposed to be a better version of earth that he wants to try to bring our people to because our earth is dead and It's more like he found a gateway to his own soul is kind of what I took away from the book. It's very, very abstract in its narrative. Uh, Warren really, really went for Twin Peaks season three style, just like, I'm just going to leave this completely open for you to figure out what the hell it all means on your own. And I, I adore that about this book.
0: Yeah. Uh, glad you bring up the kind of nightmarish and is this hell? It kind of feels like some sort of Dante's Inferno as he kind of spirals down the road. He meets all these different characters representing different themes. And the first one he meets is the inspector, uh, very kind of Kafka esque like this uh, just mysterious governmental authority. And uh, he already knows everything about the main character. And the first issue is actually called augur spelt a U G U R. And the first, one of the first things the inspector says to him is, you know, I always thought that it was spelt that way, but what happened to you is A-U-G-E-R, auger, which is about a hole in the ground where a airplane crashes. And this book is called The Shipwreck. And he goes on to explain what the auger that the title is, and that is actually something Roman, something that divined the future from the flight of song and birds. So kind of, you know, this human t- trend to just connect the dots and see patterns. And he goes on to tell them how you're the survivor of a saboteur who crashed your mission. And as a reader, it really feels like this is an auger. We are the auger. We're just meant to try to connect the dots in any way we can, interpret it in any way we can. And it's very film noir-like. So in our last episode, we talked about Gideon Falls having all these kind of David Lynchian themes, where this book actually is like watching a David Lynch movie. You have no idea what's happening to you. There are strange you know, overtones of the government, the Air Force, nightmares, surrealism, demons conspiracy, and it is just like a full-on experience and elevates comics to a new level.
1: And also, there is an ever-presence of birds themselves in this book. There are constantly in panels being referenced, and there's actually, it's in the second issue, I believe, where they show the air burial with the birds eating the corpse, and you find out where these corpses come from, and it's this strange demented style of art this lady who supposedly works for the government is supposedly a spy and an art it's really hard to really wrap your head around but at the same time you just can't stop thinking about it at least i can't i every time i read this book i i glean a little new something out of it but i still don't you know know everything about it and that that's what i love is a book that can just keep you coming back and every time you're you're still scratching your head going like man i got, I got to figure it out there there is something very meaningful here it's just <laughs> Well, more than what I've already gleaned, because like the book on its surface has a really good story too, which I don't want to say that like this book's all just abstract, and unless you're into that, you're not going to get anything out of it. If you do read this book, there is a base level storyline that's very satisfying.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, The kind of takeaway and emotion you get from reading this is kind of abstract and surrealism, but there is a very clear set of characters. There's a very linear plot. Almost each issue, your protagonist meets a new uh, person who inhibits this desolate world, and by the end, all the ones you met, Issue 4, are kind of there for Issue 5 for the climax, where they he the whole time he's on this road to find the Saboteur, and obviously, you know, there's a showdown. But in addition to the birds, which is this kind of scary theme always flying around, there are also always strange creatures like packs of spiders or just kids with cardboard boxes on their heads strapped to a telephone pole running in circles. And you just get this kind of eerie, abandoned carnival sense to everything. And the characters are just really well-defined who just represent this kind of ominous mysterious and you want to just know more like what is going on in this parallel earth
1: another thing i really love about this book and i to mention this to a lot of people but they don't pick up on it the same way i do but later the same year or i think maybe the year after warren put out another book called cemetery beach which is a very very similar story especially in the scope and the idea of the book it's about you know going to a different earth and having a person that's not supposed to be there but instead he kind of made it a action romp i really like that he had this great idea and he made these two Really, just badass, action-packed books out of it, and uh, I love both of them. Have, have you read Cemetery Beach? Do you can you qualify that for me, Nalo?
0: Absolutely, I can qualify it. And not only did I read it, I read it based off of the Graphic Vandalism YouTube channel, and I read it uh, probably the same day, or at least on the same vacation as I read Shipwreck for the first time. And I have such distinct memories of exactly where I was when reading both. I was like probably in a hotel lobby reading Shipwreck, and I just felt like I almost took like some sort of drug after. And I remember I was reading Cemetery Beach in a restaurant, and it was just so action-packed. I can't believe how fast I read it. It was just like being strapped to a roller coaster. But at the same time, it has very much the same themes, like an unresolved kind of open-ended, interpreted uh, ending, and a kind of protagonist who finds himself on a world that is inhabited, and they, they are an outsider, and they are very confused.
1: Right. And yeah, like I said, it's just really cool that like he made these two just stellar entertaining books out of one idea and you know i i I can't really think of anybody else who's pulled that one off at least i I can't
0: (laughs) i can't either but it is kind of this like classical idea of a story where you can't tell if someone's trapped in their own nightmare they're trapped in hell they're dead they're alive they're dreaming it and it's really just reflective of our everyday lives we're always trying to make sense of it and we're also always trying to make sense of our dreams and our memories? Was that a dream? Did it happen? And uh, ultimately, we have to become the augur of our own lives as well as this book and come up to our own interpretation. And, you know, that's why I'm so excited to discuss it with you.
1: Right, because I absolutely adore this book. I remember when I first saw it, it was advertised in the back of Second Sight, which is another Aftershock book. It's one of the first ones I read because David Hine wrote it. And I remember saying that, like, oh my god, Warren Ellis and Phil Hester are teaming up to do a book because Warren's my favorite writer and I have such a huge history with Phil Hester. I learned about him in the 90s when I was in my whole black and white new wave stage. I really loved stuff like The Wretch and Freaks and More*. a lot of stuff that he did for Dark Horse. So to see him and my favorite writer team up to do you know, some kind of weird sci-fi thing, that was enough to sell me. But then when I got it and I read it and I was just like, it just was even so much. It's like it was written for me personally, you know. Like I, I find these books ever so often, you know, like Bound's another one. But like, yeah, it's like I find these books that like feel like they were actually, you know, somebody went out of their way to make something special for me, which I know isn't the case, but that's just that's still how I feel when after I read something like
0: this. Yeah, that just speaks to the testament of how great these books are, and I'm really glad you're taking the time to highlight Phil Hester. Uh, I just have to say the art really makes this book a must-buy combined with the writing. Every single page has a radically different color palette. Usually the two colors picked radically contrast, and it adds so much to the confusion, the surrealness, but also really defining this world because it's so desolate. Uh, you have abstract elements, but then whenever the protagonist, uh, Dr. Jonathan Dupright, meets a new person, you know, they're in this kind of crummy motels, they're at some sort of like weird scientific junkyard, and uh, there's always something creeping in the background that feels a little off, and the art just really kind of adds so much to the experience.
1: And like we talked about a little bit last night on Twitter, this book has one of my favorite panels ever. You somewhat mentioned it earlier, with the kids near the burning schoolhouse with the cardboard boxes on their head, doing the maypole dance with down power lines I, that is just such a shocking but just beautiful visual that hester gave us in that and like i i would love this book just for that one panel alone forever like i want that on a t-shirt i want a big print of it to hang on my wall that is one of the greatest pieces of art I've ever seen in a comic.
0: Yeah I mean that panel alone it's unexplained it's essentially a throwaway panel it doesn't contribute to this core story but it adds so much to the world of curiosity like what is going on in this earth how did it end up in this place and that panel even speaks to today you know metaphorically schools are closed kids dreams have come true in a kind of unfortunate way school's canceled and you know, what's really going through their heads. So that image is timeless. You know, we could probably make historical references, what it means, artistic interpretations. And it's just so shocking. Um, I think a lot of this book has art that's just like, wow, what is what is going on in this world?
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole road trip, when they're in the car together, that whole sequence is neat. Like they drive by the Easter Island heads, like you see wrecked battleships and like the Golden Gate Bridge, busted in half i mean you just get to see these really neat visuals that some of them aren't in america you know like the easter island heads but there's a scene earlier where the expector is talking about basically those things existing to show people where they're headed on the road so you got to understand that this isn't our america even though it takes place here so yeah dude just on the visuals alone hester should have gotten an award for this book I mean it shouldn't be as unknown as it is with with this powerhouse of a team working on it and just how wonderful of a book it is. I mean, you're not gonna read something like this every day. This is a really one of a kind story and narrative.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more and we're not really here to spoil anything, but you know, the ending will just make you wanna, you know, interpret it and get on a message board and see what other people are saying and each time you read it, you might come to a different conclusion. Like uh, Johnny said, you'll pick up on new things every time. And I think that uh, what keeps you coming back is that you find new things each time and you can come to a different conclusion each time. And, you know, that's just really a work of art. And that's what we're here for.
1: Probably my favorite run-in he had on the road was if the Kid at the Hotel. And uh, if you could tell me something I don't know, I'll knock some money off of your room. And he tells him all these weird facts about this moon of, I think it's one of Jupiter's moons. And the kid's just so blown away, he gives him the room for free. But he tells them like, dude, but when you leave this room, do you actually see anything interesting in your life? And it, it, it's just such an offline, but I mean, it just hit me in this weird way that's like, wow, that's it's deep and I don't get it, but... I I love it still, you
0: know what I mean? Uh, It's kind of a cynical take, but it's kind of like, you know, we're discussing all these crazy facts about this book, but, you know, for me, I can't even go outside right now, so there's not much interesting to see out there in reality.
1: I guess it was a prophetic line, because, like you just mentioned, I didn't even put that together, because I'm still working, I'm an essential employee, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite locked up like Nalo is, but I, I can definitely see that now. It's kind of weird. Warren's always had a gift like that. He predicted the hurricane during the Bush years in Transmetro like a couple years before that happened. So,
0: Well, I think as we'll see even more in the next book, we discuss a lot of these kind of very cutting edge... Niche and criminally overlooked comics that are kind of set in uh, some sort of dystopian future or have more and more parallels to the world we're seeing today. And so we're just seeing proven right before our eyes how these writers and artists are ahead of the time.
1: And nice segue. I was going to ask if you were ready to jump into Black Monday. Absolutely. All right. Next up, we have a book published by Image Comics. It is The Black Monday Murders, written, of course, by Mr. Jonathan Hickman with art by Tom Coker, colors by Michael Garland and letters by Russ Wooten and there is no solicit on this book so you go ahead and just jump right on in Nalo
0: All right everybody so the Black Monday Murders by Jonathan Hickman as uh maybe you do or don't know uh when a day is called uh, the black date that's kind of a reference to the stock market crashing so uh, just from, uh, very recently, we had a Black Thursday. I think Black Monday might have been during the Great Depression in the 20s when the stock market kind of crashed. And this book is an alternate history, maybe not an alternate history, an occult version of history, really looking behind the curtain of how these kind of events are potentially orchestrated by elite families and looking at the kind of economic academies, I think they call them, around the world and how they are all actually dabbling in the occult and paying sacrifice to a god called Mammon, which is a reference to kind of Greek god of greed. And this is just a no-holds punch to the face of a very occult take of how the world of finance operates and how it affects everybody.
1: Right. And I also like how the history kind of throws back to prehistory as we know it. They talk a lot about samaria they talk about the the images that the weird occultic symbols that jonathan hickman comes up with showing up in old Sumerian plates and if you know anything about Sumerian lore you'll know the story of the anunnaki who were a group of either interdimensional or people who came from someplace else who actually created the human race to be slaves to mine gold for them this is literally one of the most ancient beliefs in the world of where humankind came from so the fact that he kind of nonchalantly winked and nodded that whole idealism into the story was really neat for me but like Nala was saying you get you get really interesting looks into it's very cynical and it's not very nice towards the people who work in these institutions but it shows how cutthroat finance and things like this are and if you have ever had friends that were worked in there you'll know a bit about this but this one goes for broke this is basically like Hellraiser, but the banker version. I mean, that's the <laughs> kind of the nicest way I could put it, because it's got the multi-dimensional demons that come and get you if you screw up and if you crash the market. And it's it reminded me a lot of Hellraiser in ways, but at the same time, it's smarter. You know what I mean? It's a very intelligent, very very dense book and we use that word a lot especially when nala's on the show but like hickman gets down and dirty he's got pie graphs and charts and all these different things to help you understand what the lore means which don't actually help you to understand it i think it actually makes the book a little more convoluted but i still love it all the more you get these great conversations and these redacted interview pages but there are certain subliminal messages left in there for you to glean it's it's very 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 smartly put together this is a i I don't even know how else to put it but a top-notch book and don't even get me started on coker's art
0: yeah i mean the art is uh, very realistic and oftentimes super scary given that it's so realistic but the writing is yes we use the word dense but i would say extremely complex and that's very for me complex and complicated is very different complicated is kind of like you know a whole pile of wrenches tied together. Uh, complex means, you know, that actually there is a whole system, and Jonathan Hickman really makes you work. you got to read all these kind of data pages that he's now famous for um, and look at these kind of symbols and connect the dots which character is who and kind of understand their history that's semi-tied to real history. We have, like, names you'll recognize, like the Rothschilds, potentially, uh, These all these kind of banking families. And he uses these kind of tropes that we now even see being featured in his X-Men run of these kind of mystic characters that will be all white Um, even in their skin tone and and, uh, fashion. We see that in East of West. We have these kind of cryptic languages. And that language that we refer to is actually meant to be like one of the oldest languages known to history. So it's kind of hinting that these families have access to some sort of hidden knowledge. And something that struck out to me is the subtitle or tagline, at least of volume one is a story of human sacrifice. And you usually think of uh, that as something like a Jesus Christ figure that sacrifices themselves for the greater good. But this is a much darker take. This is about how, you know, everyone's getting sacrificed so we can extract all the wealth we can um, as this kind of elite class. And I think it's in volume two, they tell a story about a mountain in Spain where they used all the natives to kind of mine silver. And when everyone died, they just imported more slaves from elsewhere. And it really shows this kind of very disturbing look at how these banking families, they will just sacrifice everybody to get as much wealth as they can. And, you know, it's a lot to you over. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot of truth to it there's one page in particular where detective dumas is interviewing the russian guy and he does the little sigil and he's got the guy banging his head just his demeanor you think this is about a murder but it's not it's about murders and endless number of them the history of wall street is written in blood it is an industry built on human sacrifice and i don't think truer words have ever been put in the a panel of a comic book. I mean, do you, brother?
0: Not at all. And in terms of truth and fiction, one of my favorite pages of the whole series is actually right in the opening of issue one, where it's set during the uh, 20s crash. And they show that this very wide urban legend that bankers, traders were jumping out of windows due to how they couldn't handle the reality that the market just changed so dramatically so quickly. And then he shows this data page of actual things from the real internet with the URL. So you can check it out one of them is a finance forum of someone saying, I have a great idea for a business. We could have a really reputable fact-checking site, and we always tell the truth until we want to spread a lie. And everyone will believe it because we always tell the truth. I think people powerful would pay a lot for that service. And then we see right below it on Wikipedia or something like that, a quote saying, it's an urban legend that traders jumped out of windows. And he's kind of this juxtaposition of like, well, <laughs> it makes you think like this fact-checking site that is currently real is that actually owned by somebody that is using it to spread a lie because you're supposed to trust them and you know that blending of fact and fiction is what I really just love in art and gets me going.
1: And speaking of the art, I love the kind of subtle visual cues that they give you. I like how the color palette shifts between when you're dealing with the noir side, the detective, the like the real stuff, and then when you get into the more magical side, it goes from like, you know, browns and kind of earth tones into like these really deep reds and kind of blues when it's going into the magical and you're hanging out with the the rich kids. I really enjoy when books do that. They have like this really nice Subtle way of letting you know that, like, hey, you're no longer in even what's considered reality in this story type of visual cues.
0: And I, I see a lot on like Twitter and social media people complaining about like photorealistic esque art and how it, you know, it's not in the vein of what comics should be. But the faces on this uh, series are so realistic and we get all these kind of boardroom meetings where you just see the tone and emotion between like the very powerful words these board members are spitting at each other and they make these very aggressive faces of like smugness and pretentiousness or irony. And I just think that adds so much how realistic it is. And there's a show that I'm in love with on HBO called Secession, very much like this, doesn't have the occult angle, but kind of based on the Murdoch media empire and all the kids fighting with the board. And that show is actually has Will Farrell as an executive producer. So there's this undertone of comedy, cynical comedy. And, you know, we kind of get that in the facial expressions of the characters here because it is all mostly based in like meeting rooms and boardrooms and fancy apartments.
1: I'm not the world's hugest fan of photorealism, but I wouldn't really say that that's what Coker does here. I mean, his arts, in my opinions, it's a bit more polished version of what Sean Phillips does with Baker. It's not unlike Michael Lark's art. It's just more polished. So
0: yeah. Absolutely, it's very much... The overall delivery is very similar to like what you get in criminal. But specifically I was referring to like just the facial expressions in the boardroom and for me they just seem like so accurate to how I've seen people in real life look on their face.
1: Right. Like the facial expressions are great. There's one in particular where the I keep forgetting his name, the Russian guy that who gets arrested, it's towards the middle of the book where they kind of talk to him about doing something evil and like the way that they you don't even see the grin. It's covered in darkness, but the way that the eyes are drawn on you can tell that he has just the most evil shit grin you could think of and it's actually a very off-putting panel so i'd rather have something like that in a book that hits me as hard as this than you know have some cartoonist drawing it you know i like i will say the art in this is not for every book but for this book i think it's very fucking necessary
0: you know my previous comments were about the boardroom we still get a bunch of like interdimensional scenes in idea space or concept space and they have diagrams going along with it where you know the real world is linear But for example, like the Berlin Wall transcends time and space as an idea. And this concept that somehow, you know, we could have meetings inside ideas or board members could disappear into this conceptual realm. And, you know, the art definitely provides this kind of, you know, surreal sci-fi-esque settings for you to read those scenes in.
1: And it's all just rendered so beautifully. Like if you're just getting into comics and you want to read something that's smart and sharp and just looks beautiful, this is a perfect book to pick up. I mean, honestly, it's very smart, but it's not impossible to understand. I think that anybody should be able to just dive into this book personally, because I'm not the world's biggest finance guru. I don't really know anything about it, but this book really, really speaks to me. And I think that more people should be reading it because it's pretty big, but I don't know. I still hear more people talk about X-Men than Black Monday Murders, which I'm sure his X-Men's great, but... I guarantee you this book shits all over it in the story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you definitely don't need to know anything about history or finance to get anything out of this book. You can find tons of things that will relate to you as a reader in your everyday life or in some sort of movie or conspiracy theory, just as ominous forces that somehow control the market. And, you know, these days it becomes clear that even the experts in the market don't understand the market. (laughs) These days you get paid to buy oil, the government's printing money, and, you know, something's up. And this book gives an entertaining light on some sort of, you know, escapism, but kind of giving you a way to grapple with, you know, this abstract financial world. And for those of you who have some sort of uh, education or employment related to this industry, you're going to get even more out of it, probably. So. If you're new to comics, if you're not new to comics, this is a real book to check out. It has such depth that you, you know, the last episode with the books we talked about are just one of the best comics out. These two books kind of like should be in the textbooks of like top tier comics of this is introducing ideas, art, concepts, and we could talk about it all day.
1: Right, right. But for now, that was Black Monday Murders. And I really, really enjoyed talking with Nalo about it. It was very superb. I really love his reactions to the books we read. He's really becoming one of my favorite co-hosts. But until next time, I'm Johnny. You can find me on Twitter at JohnnyAlpha81 and on YouTube at GraphicVandalism.
0: I'm Nalo. You can find me on Twitter at Comics underscore Finance. Maybe YouTube soon, but until next time, party people, and thank you for having me again, Johnny.
1: You can also find the show at Nerds From on Twitter, and we are a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. So... Be a pal and check out some of the other shows on the network. We don't hate if you trade weight. We out. Aloha. Peace.